Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Hello and welcome back to Highway to Hoover, a production of SEC Extra at D1Baseball.com, presented by Brock's Gap Brewing Company in Hoover, Alabama. I am your host, Joe Healy, joined as always by my co-host, Mark Etheridge, and we are joined uh, today by Alabama head baseball coach, Rob Vaughn, and also, I would be remiss if I didn't say a fellow Houston native, Rob That's Vaughn. Good. Shout out to the uh, Humble High School Wildcats, the, uh, the, the the purple and white, is that right, coach? That's it. Purple and white, That's yeah. It. Yeah, yeah. So uh, always important. As as I rock my Houston Arrows hockey shirt today. Oh, that's beautiful. <laughs> Little uh, throwback beautiful. minor league hockey shirt Joe's got on today. But uh, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff with Coach today. Uh, if it were up to me, we'd just talk about Whataburger and Shipley Donuts and Bucky's and <laughs> things like that. But unfortunately, Mark uh is our taskmaster when it comes to this yeah. stuff so we're going to talk some baseball instead which i guess is fine so uh for if, after all that nonsense coach i appreciate you joining us today absolutely excited to be here thanks for having me yeah um first things first let, let's go back to kind of before you even took this job obviously it was a, a wild ride for alabama last season in season coaching change they get hot they end up hosting they you know make a run to a super uh, how much were you able to kind of see that going on as it was happening and, and what were some of your impressions if you did of what Alabama was doing throughout last season? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think all of college baseball was kind of tuning into to what these kids were going to do, you know, obviously a pretty tough situation that those guys face. And I remember when, when everything kind of happened, you know, that Thursday night, they're playing Vanderbilt. And I remember my dad was over at the house. I told him, I said, man, this ain't going to be good. There's just so much distraction Vanderbilt was playing really good baseball. I want to say it was a top 10 team in the country at that point. Um, you know, and you, you just look at kind of what those kids were up against. I didn't, I didn't think, and I don't know if many people gave them much of a chance to to navigate that. And, you know, I think the the combination of some really older veteran players um, and Jason Jackson are the reason they were able to, to navigate that. And so, you know, obviously we, we kind of tuned in from afar a little bit and, you know, as, as things heated up, maybe paid a little bit more attention to what was going on and diving into the team a little bit. But at the same time, you know, we we had a really good team at Maryland last year. And I knew regardless of what happened, you know, during the summer when that came around is I owed it to those kids to give them my full, full attention, full effort. So we watched from afar, um, was obviously incredibly, incredibly impressed by the the grit, the toughness, the determination, the way those kids stared adversity in the face, didn't blink and and kept walking through what was a pretty magical run. And shoot, I met with our team yesterday for the first time. And man, I, I was convinced that team was going to Omaha last year. Just the way they were playing, they were hot. They believed um, they were playing a really good brand of baseball and obviously came up a little bit short, ran into a buzzsaw there at Wake. But those kids and the way they responded are what drew me to Alabama. Not not even the SEC, not even any of that. It was the way those kids went about their business. Um, I said, man, those are my kind of kids. And, you know, to to get me out of Maryland, who where I was very, very happy, and I owe everything in my career to that administration and those kids, 
Um, it was going to take a lot, um, but those kids are a huge reason that I'm here today um, and watching the Jim Jarvis's and the Andrew Pinckney's and the Tommy Seidel's and the way they navigated, um, you know, a, a pretty rough go for a little while there. Uh, it's a huge, huge reason I'm down here in Tuscaloosa now. Okay. Well, Rob, you had so much success at Maryland. What are some of the lessons that you've you learned from a, being a new head coach to, to, to winning the Big Ten multiple years that, that you can apply moving forward? Yeah, I mean, you know, my first year as a head coach in, in 2018, we were 24 and 30. We were we were bad, you know, and I think we were coming off some pretty good years there in 14 and 15 and, and uh, you know, under Coach Chef, and I was an assistant there, and I think you think you're just going to step in and, and kind of keep the train rolling, and you realize what really goes into to leading a program and the ins and outs that it really takes. And, um, you know, one thing that we learn really quick is it's about, it's about the players. It's about getting the right kids. And I think that's one thing we're going to continue to do here. You know, I think if you want culture to be at the forefront of what you're doing, and that's always kind of what I've hung my hat on is, is culture and creating culture and building culture. Um, you got to have the right kids to do it, especially this day and age when you've got the transfer portal and, everything that goes on with that. I mean, it's easy for kids to cut bait and run if you don't have the right people, right people on the bus here. And so, you know, that's what we really did in Maryland. We tried to identify our kind of kids and, you know, we take them through some different processes and recruiting. You know, we, we say this, you know, if you're going to do what everybody else does, you're going to get what everybody else gets. And we knew at a place like Maryland, we had this slogan. We said all the time, it rings even more true now, but we used to always say, you know, you're not going to out LSU, LSU. When I was at Maryland, if we were going to go try to to sell the the pretty and all of the the fancy things and try to kind of keep up with the Joneses and do this, it, it just wasn't going to work. We had to find the Matt Shaws and the Luke Schliggers and the Nick LaRussos and the Mike Shorns and Kevin Smiths. We had to find those kids that wanted to be coached, that wanted to be challenged, that wanted to step in and get an opportunity to do some special things. And, and I think that's why – we had a lot of success there. We had a, a lot of the right kids, a lot of the right families that believed in what we were doing. And, and I think, you know, no matter where you're at, whether you're at Maryland, whether you're at Alabama, that, that recipe rings true. And I think, you know, we, 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 we were playing uh, Indiana a couple of years ago and Jeff Mercer came in and their head coach and me and Merce were talking we were in the shell, our little indoor facility, which, which they're finally getting ready to replace there at Maryland. And I was just telling him like, yeah, we're, we're trying to get this new one built, blah, blah, blah. And he said, Rob, but the big thing is he said the wrong kid says no to Maryland because of this building. And he's like, I'm telling you that will make your life easier. And now you step into, you know, Sewell Thomas stadium is gorgeous, beautiful facility, beautiful setup. Shoot. We were down here in 2016 and opened it up when I was at Maryland. It's a beautiful spot. Um, but you've got to make sure you still are selling the right things and talking about the right things and doing the right things because could you lose some of that? So, man, it's, it's, it's hard work. It's tough. It's grit. But at the end of the day, it's about getting the right people in place. And I think we've done that with our coaching staff and we're doing that on the recruiting trail as well. A quick one before my next, my next actual question, did your winter coats make the move with you coach? Or are you, uh, did <laughs> you, did you have, three, it's about 300 <laughs> degrees outside right now. So I think I left them all up in, up in Maryland. Yeah. It's uh, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. There's, there was some unbelievable pieces of working at Maryland for 11 years, but February, January, February, March, I tell you what, I'm not going to miss that too much. <laughs> yeah. 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 Someone who moved from the Midwest back to the South. Uh, I can, I can understand that. I was, I celebratorily threw my, my winter coats out in the, That's in the it. snow shovel, the snow. Shovel. That's it. That's it. Um, yeah. Um, 
you know, you, you kept on Jason Jackson, you, you gave him uh, kudos and which are due for what he did with that team last year. Take us through a little bit of just the, the, the thought process of, of keeping him on. And then secondarily, how you see him and Mike Morrison, who you brought over from Maryland working together, uh, given their skills, working with pitchers. No doubt. I mean, you know, it's funny when I, when I got the head job at Maryland a couple of years ago, um, you know, I knew I wanted to hire Corey Mascara. That was my guy. Corey and I had worked together for a long time or worked kind of parallel for a long time, recruited against each other. Um, and I knew I wanted to hire him, but there was there was no guarantee he was going to say yes. So I'm kind of doing some of my homework, you know, on the background. I remember talking to Chris Hart um, over at NC State. I said, Chris, talking about some good pitching guys, you know, you know, and he said, well, I'm telling you, you said Jason Jackson's the best in the country, but I can promise you, you ain't getting him up to Maryland. And uh but, but that was kind of the first introduction to to JJ and who he was and what he did. And, you know, Moose ended up saying yes um, pretty quickly. So we never really, really went down any roads there. And, you know, as I'm watching this team last year and things started heating up, you know, I, I talked to Greg Byrne, our AD here, um, met with him, had some conversations. And as I'm watching this thing happen and watching, you know, this this group of kids go on a pretty magical run, I said, man, there's, I told, I told Greg, I said, there's no way I want to do this without JJ. Like this guy is the right kind of dude. I said, but my, my biggest concern is I don't know him that well. You know, I, I don't know what that's going to look like. And truth be told, like, I didn't know what his mindset on what of the job was. I mean, that guy was very, if they would have handed the keys to him, I think everybody around the country, myself included, would have been like, boom, good hire, good job. He had done a phenomenal job navigating some really tough things. Um, so Greg and I started talking. I said, man, what, what do we have to do? I mean, Mississippi State's got a pitching coach job open. You know, LSU ends up opening up as a pitching job as Wes moves over to Georgia. And I'm like, how do we keep him here? Like, we can't announce this stuff yet. This can't go anywhere yet. But how do we make sure we don't lose J.J. at one of these one of these other schools, particularly in our league? And uh, so we started going through this. I had a I had a preliminary conversation with J.J. and takes you about 10 seconds to realize he's one of the best dudes on the planet. I mean, he's real. He's there's a ton of humility. Um, he loves his players. And that that's a real prerequisite for me. Like I want guys is we're in a very transactional world, particularly, particularly in this league right now to where, man, it's, 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 it's pretty cutthroat with a lot of different things, but it was really important to me stepping into a job like this to have people I trust, people I believed in, um, and people that kind of thought the way I did. And I got on the phone with JJ, him and I talked for about an hour that night. We spent half the time talking about our families, talking about our kids, talking about our wives, talking about stuff that had nothing to do with baseball. And you could tell that he was the right kind of guy. So I start watching, you know, at this point, we're kind of to, to Hoover. We're to the SEC tournament. And, you know, the beauty of that is after every game, there's a press conference. And so I'm I'm watching. I'll never forget the first press conference I watched. It was J.J. and Andrew Pinkney up there together. And that's the the game Pink hit two homers, threw the guy out at the plate what, from what felt like the warning track, you know. And 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 I'm listening to both of those guys talk. And, and Pink is about the most well-spoken, humble, giving credit to teammates, gracious dude ever. And then I hear J.J. start talking. And man, that guy deserved every ounce of praise he was getting for leading this team and for what he was doing. And everybody from social media to announcers were were talking about what an amazing job he did. And JJ just kept deflecting to the players, kept deflecting off of himself to them. And that told me everything I needed to know about him. I mean, I watched everything I could just, just trying to make sure, I mean, this is, 
this is an incredible opportunity. This is an incredible job, but I wanted to really do it with people I trusted and people I believed in and people I knew were cut from the same cloth I am. And, and man, Jason Jackson's that in spades. So the, the fact we're able to keep him was massive. And then I knew kind of on our staff, you know, if anything transpired, I really wanted to bring Anthony Papio with me. Pap played for me for four years, coached with me for the last seven. You know, when you talk about instilling a culture of competing and winning and doing those things, that guy doesn't lose in anything he does. I, I played cards with him this weekend. We were out at the beach in Rosemary Beach, and he spanked me. We were playing some weird card game, and he hammered me the whole time. The dude's just a winner. So I knew I wanted to bring him. And then you've got Mo, who's been with me, Mike Morrison, for, for two years as my pitching coach. And knew that I really wanted Mo by my side. Like that's, he's been one of my right-hand dudes over the last two years and very instrumental in some really challenging times there. So, you know, when we start navigating this thing, I I sat down with Mo in my office and, and we had a conversation. I said, you know, I'm, I'm keeping JJ. Like I'm, we've worked that out. He's staying, he's going to be our pitching coach and here's kind of what I see. And so, um, so Mike and I sat down, I said, look, I want you to operate almost like our GM. You're our recruiting coordinator. It is your job to put our team together. You're going to, you're going to be able to, I mean, everybody in college baseball understands when you're working with 11.7 scholarships, you have to be able to be creative. You have to have guys that can, can find ways to, to stretch your 11.7 for lack of a better term. And Mo's unbelievable at that. So I told him, I said, I want your, your baby to be our roster. That's your baby. You are going to eat, sleep, and drink Alabama baseball's roster. But at the same time, when it comes to on-field stuff, I want you to be J.J.'s right hand. And, you know, you guys probably know J.J. pretty well. That that guy has zero ego whatsoever. When I approached him about it and said, this is kind of what I'm thinking, he's like, you're telling me I got a guy that's going to work side by side with me? That's unbelievable. It's usually me and 25 pitchers. I got a guy with me. This is going to be awesome. And, you know, it's funny. Just the way college baseball rosters have been set up for years – you have four coaches working with hitters and you have one pitching coach working with 23 pitchers. And I don't know why we thought that was a good idea, but I kind of shifted that a couple of years ago. And, you know, Papio actually did some stuff with pitchers the last few years with me in Maryland and, and him and Mo kind of work side by side together. So that's the beauty of this is you have two guys that care about winning and that's it. They don't care who gets the credit. They don't care who has the title. They don't care what that is. It's, two really talented people getting to work with our arms every day. And you have an experienced guy and somebody that's probably got a little bit more accolades to his resume and JJ. And then you've got a guy that's, that's young, that's hungry. That's a passionate learner that loves players that has unbelievable relationships with guys working together with that group of 20 guys. So it's, you know, we, we're going to get out on the field this week, but I think both those guys are really excited with the way it's kind of shaped up a little bit and, and um, they're both doing a heck of a job so far. Hey, everyone. We're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Well, certainly Alabama is known for having a great football program, all the advantages you could want. Um, sometimes that doesn't apply to to the other sports, and certainly with baseball. I mean, I remember having this conversation with Jim Wells, you know, 25 years ago. 
So how do you mitigate some of those perceived disadvantages and, and sometimes actual disadvantages um, when you're having to beat all these teams around you who seem to have more than you do? Yeah. You know, and I think it, it, it's funny. I think, shoot, that's probably why Greg hired me because he knew I was, I was kind of used to learning how to navigate, you know, things that, that can be challenging at, at times, but you know, at the end of the day, I, I've had people tell me since I've got this job about the challenges, about what we don't have, about all those things. And I'm looking out my window right now at a $70 million stadium in a situation where we've got every resource you can imagine from a dining facility, from from a sports performance facility, from a brand new weight room and other things in the works along the way. And so it's funny, like I haven't spent one second of my two months here even acknowledging what we don't have. And there's no secret that, you know, there we don't have some of the extra lottery scholarships and mm-hmm. some of the extra different things that, that some teams have in our league. Um, and all that means is we have to get creative with how we do things and we have to get the right kids because I'm telling you what, Alabama may not have every resource financially from a scholarship standpoint that gets kids in the door at times. But I can tell you that once they're here, there is not one place in the country that treats or takes care of their athletes better than we do here at Alabama I'm talking it's it's unbelievable the resources they have when they step on campus and that's what this whole thing's about right and I understand that you know finances play roles in people's decisions especially for families as they're they're trying to figure out how you're going to pay for the cost of higher education which there's no secret keeps getting more and more expensive as as the years go on so that is a definite piece of it but at the end of the day, it's also an investment in these young people's lives and their young people's career, because it might cost you an extra $10,000 a year to come do some things here. But when you sign for $5.5 million, you're not worried about that thirty grand extra that you paid, you know? And so that's kind of how we've operated is, is there some disadvantages? Sure. If you want to look at that way, there, there absolutely is. But I think for us, we're not going to spend one ounce of our time worrying about what we don't have. We're going to, we're going to focus on, on getting the right people on finding ways to operate within what we do. And we'll get the right kids in here. Um, and we'll go to work and we'll, we'll establish a culture that's strong that's built on toughness, grit and ownership in a group of guys that, that wants to be developed and coached every day, because unfortunately college athletics is kind of following a little bit more the pro ball model now where it's come in, be good or go somewhere else. And we'll get somebody else that's good in here. And, the coaching and the development and the the time invested in people is you can create your own niche. You can create your own little avenue about what makes you different by, by spending more time with that stuff, by investing more. And instead of just recruiting your replacement, trying to develop the kids you do have on the field. And like, I mean, let's call it what it is. Mm-hmm. Good players make good coaches, right? I mean, there's no secret of that. So, so I'm not saying it's all about, we've got some magic formula, but what we are going to do, we're going to invest in our kids. We're going to pour into them. We're going to work and and we're going to try to develop them to be the best people and players they can be. And I think when you do that, like I said, I think everybody here knows exactly what we stepped into. And, and I think when you come from a place where maybe we, you, we did have challenges there too, when it comes to facility and it comes to some of that, man, we don't have time to to waste mental calories on what we don't have. We're going to focus on what we do and how we're going to coach kids moving forward. And we're going to do the exact same thing down here in Tuscaloosa. Some decent turnover off last year's roster, obviously the draft. Anytime your team is that yeah. good, you're going to have guys lost to the draft, you know, got graduation, a couple guys in the portal just is what it is. Um, 
what was your general kind of philosophy in rebuilding the roster on the fly? And then I have to imagine this is where JJ kind of helped, right? Because he, he knows the recruiting class. He also knows specifically what went out the door. Um, so t- talk a little bit about that kind of the, the rebuild on the fly, especially coming in as a first year coach. Yeah. I mean, there's no secret there. There's a, you looked at a team last year and they were old and that's a thing in college. And especially in these years of COVID, it was a really, really old team. You had a, senior first baseman, a senior second baseman, a draft picket short. Obviously, Colby, you know, move, moving on um, over at third, had a superstar year. Um, you have, you know, a guy that was draft eligible behind the plate, and you go around the field, you have a fourth rounder on left. Um, you have a seventh rounder in center. Um, and Or, I'm sorry, a senior in left. And then Pink over and right in the fourth round. And you just had a really old, talented team. So a lot of those guys walked, you know, walked out the door into professional baseball or into whatever comes next for those guys as they graduated and moved on from their time here. But that is a huge piece of, of keeping JJ. I mean, it's called what it is. If he's not here, we're probably rebuilding more than just the position player side. We're probably having to rebuild a 40-man roster. Um, and, you know, if, if I didn't think JJ was the right guy, if I didn't think he was one of the best in the country at what he did, I'd have been willing to – to press restart and, and do what we needed to do. But fortunately for, for me, he was, and he is. And I think that allowed us to really hold on to the big time nucleus of arms that we had. And there's some, there's some dudes down in the stable down there. And so I think when we looked at rebuilding our roster, what we saw is we saw some really talented young players coming in. We saw some talented, you know, freshmen or sophomores on that team last year that maybe just weren't everyday guys that, that felt like it's their time to take that next step. Bryce Eblen being a perfect example. You know, Ebbs went out and had an unbelievable summer in Bourne, won the Cape Cod Championship, hit dang near 370 on the summer. Um, and it, it just kind of been in and out of the lineup due to a lot of different circumstances, one of which being Jim Jarvis, who's one of the best shortstops in college baseball. So it's like as he walks out the door, it starts to open up some windows. So what we really wanted to do is we wanted to add a veteran presence to the position player side, because we thought we had some really talented young kids and some really talented incoming players. We just didn't have as much experience as I would like to have potentially in the league that we're about to try to run the gauntlet in, you know? So that's what, that was really our mindset. It was not about going and trying to find the big sexy name and trying to make a splash. So everybody thinks that, you're good at what you do. That's never how we've operated. It's always been about getting our dudes and, and that's panned out for us really well. And so that's what we did. We went out and looked for veteran position guys. And we got that and guys like Ian Petrutz, who has a lot of college of bats came down from Maryland with me, Evan Slate coming from Rutgers, two kids that I knew intimately well from coaching one and trying to get the other one out for four years. So guys that I, I have good, good relationships with. You have a guy like Max Grant coming in from Canisius. It's, you know, hit 400 for three straight years up there and had a great career up there. Um, a guy in TJ McCants, who's got a ton of college at bats, has serious ability, um, had a great freshman year and shoot his bad years, 230 with double-digit homers. Like, we'll be all right, you know, getting to getting to coach that guy and getting to work through, through it with that guy. And so we were able to kind of bring in a, a, an older group of position guys where it didn't block them. Most of those guys are grad guys, you know, so it's one of those things where they can protect some of these young position guys that are coming in and allow them to kind of grow up and get better and, and mature in the program without blocking them for their career. Because the world we're in now, you go bring in a superstar sophomore and he's here for a couple of years, that freshman that's really talented is heading out the door next June, you know? And so 
we wanted to make sure we didn't do that. So we were able to add some veteran position guys um, that we feel really good about. And then we were just trying to find the right fits on the mound. You know, we added several dudes and a super high end upside guys, a couple more stable guys that, that are more reliable that you kind of know what you're going to get. Um, and then a couple dudes with some stuff that, that I think have a chance to, to do some good things and have thrown a lot of college innings. So that was really our mindset was trying to add a veteran presence to a pretty talented group of dudes. And, and I think Mo Papp and JJ did a really good job of that this summer. So now you have the opportunity to compete in the, you know, the best conference in the country, best programs, best coaches, best players, um, how do you take that next step to to elevate the program so that it's one of those perennial teams that have a shot at Omaha every year? Yeah, I mean, I I feel like this is what we we did at Maryland when we stepped in there. You know, Coach Backich had done a really good job there before we got there of kind of flipping the culture a little bit, you know. And I think that's the first step, and you know that's what this staff before did. They did a really good job of kind of flipping the culture of this thing, and in the culture of hard work, the culture of attention to detail, the culture of of how we play the game is stuff that's already, I don't think is going to be new to these kids. I think it's, it's kind of building off some of the things that they've done the last few years. And, and that's why you've seen Alabama baseball continue to grow and continue to get better and continue to get better. So that's the beauty is I don't think some of this stuff is going to be foreign to them, but I do think there's this element that we saw when we stepped in at Maryland with coach chef, there's an element of believing that you, you belong. And there's a, there's an element of believing you should win. And I remember, you know, we would play tight games in 2013 against North Carolina and Virginia and Florida state. And some of these teams when we were back in the ACC and we'd play really good with them for seven and a half, eight innings, but it's like, they knew and we knew that we were going to lose it in the eighth or ninth because we were supposed to Maryland is supposed to lose to North Carolina. Maryland is supposed to lose the Florida state. It's what's supposed to happen. And it took that group, that group that kind of knocked the door down in 2014 there was a lot of belief. They started believing they belong. They started believing they were capable of winning and started to really understand how good they actually were. And I mean, I think now when I look back on that team, there's five big leaguers on that team. They were probably even a little bit better than, than we knew at the time. Um, but there was this element of that. And I remember in 2014, we go to the ACC tournament and our bracket was North Carolina, Virginia, who's top top 10 team in the country, and Florida State, who's a top 10 team in the country. And we were joking, we're like, we're in the bracket of death here in the mm-hmm. ACC here. And we came out of it and played in the in the conference championship. And I think that was the first time that those kids really started saying, like, we can do this. This is we're capable of this. And, you know, I think last year's team really got a taste of that. And I think they really started to to believe that they can play with anybody in this league. And and you've seen that slowly build here at Alabama over the last, you know, five or six years. And as, as they steadily got better and better and better, and it's our job to to keep believing in that stuff because that's where your confidence comes from. I, I tell our guys all the time, man, like confidence comes from your work. And when you show up every day and punch the time card and put your work and you can step in that box on Friday night, even against a guy like Paul Skeens, and you know you got your work cut out for him, but you know you're prepared and you know you're ready. And I think when you can do that and start stacking those on top of each other and do it collectively as a group, you give yourself a fighting chance to go play against anybody in the country. And so I think that's a big piece. We're going to hang our hat on hard work. We're going to hang our hat on the right kids and doing things the right way. And, and uh, man, I think the results really fall in the line when you do that at a high level. 
You talk about belief. Certainly the, the players, a, a, a lot of reason to believe given what they accomplished last year. I know as someone who was at the Tuscaloosa regional last year, the fan base certainly bought in, uh, seems really bought into things there. Of course, we don't have to tell Mark about it. Mark knows as well as anybody as a resident of the state of, of Alabama, but uh, coach, good luck uh, this fall and into the spring as we get going. And, and thanks for joining us today. Absolutely guys. I appreciate it. That's going to do it for this edition of Highway to Hoover, a production of SEC Extra at D1Baseball.com. Thanks to Mark, as always. uh, Thanks to Alabama head coach Rob Vaughn for joining us. And thank you, the listener, for listening. We'll talk to you all soon. The Highway to Hoover podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts.